So we are here with Susan Evans Grove today on our podcast. Um, welcome, Susan. How are you today? I'm good, Tart. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. Um, all right, Susan. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I did not intend to be an artist because it was not a path that was common in my family. Uh, my mom was a mathematician. My dad was a chemical engineer. So even though I always was drawing and you know oh, wow. expressing myself creatively, I started out in college studying psychology because that was that was a better field, more oh, wow. you know, so cool. employable. Yeah. Right? Um, but it, I was a freshman in college, and a boy I was dating was taking a photography class, and he handed me the camera. And when I put it up to my eye, I thought, "This is what I've been doing without knowing it. Like this is I've been making pictures my whole life." Oh wow! And so I started getting the idea that I wanted to go to art school, and it took me another year to convince my parents i finally got to the point where i said i'm, I'm doing this whether you pay yeah. for it or not and so i went to school of visual arts in manhattan and um graduated from there and have been making art ever since oh wow and were your parents hesitant like how did you first break the news to them they were more um in concerned that i would not be employable which mm -hmm. they weren't wrong about yeah know? um i don't know if it's a blessing or not but i had teachers in school that basically were like, you know, if you, it was a pretty low bar, if you impact one person in your life with your work, you've accomplished something. Oh, wow. So, and I kind of always knew, even when I was in school, that I was going to be working another job to support my art and to support myself, and yeah. I was okay with that. I never wanted to be a commercial photographer, so I knew I would have to, you know, be doing it in my off hours. Oh, so, wow. and I've, I've managed to sustain that for a lot of years oh that's amazing because a lot of people would have like just gave in and be like you know what it is what it is here go with the commercial let me just do this but the fact that you know you're committed to your passion and your art i find that very admirable so that's really cool thanks all right um would you mind telling us a little bit about your creative process sure um so most of my uh, art practice has been outside of the studio, it's been out on the street or maybe setting something up on the kitchen table, just very, um, whatever I was interested in, I was following, looking around in the real world and seeing things that I was seeing differently than other people. Um, and then when I moved to 150 Bay, where we both have studios, yes. I really had a huge shift in my practice because I suddenly could leave something set up for a long period of time. I could play around you know, with things more consistently and so I started doing tabletop, actually. Um, I'm doing still lives now, which is something that I haven't done since I was in school a long time ago. So it's, it's really been interesting to me to see how my looking has changed, you know. Oh, wow. I still am walking, when I walk around, I still photograph a lot, but my series that I work on are more studio-based now, which is a big shift. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I remember that when I curated the show last year in May, you had a picture that had like a motherboard with flowers and a vase. And I found, I remember having like such a outer body experience because to me it was like, it was like a futuristic, like Sandro Botticelli Renaissance painting, but then it reminded, it had like this tech. So would you mind telling us, I'll make sure to include a picture. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about that work? Sure, yeah. A lot of my work is focused on the environment and on climate change and um, basically our interaction with the planet. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking a lot about electronic waste 
and the fact that um, I, my day job, I publish computer science books, so I learn a lot about technology, and I think that it, it has been advancing so quickly, and so our devices time out, in, you know, so even if you want to keep it, you can't, yeah. right, because it doesn't work anymore. Um, and as a result, we have all this electronic waste that's just piling up everywhere and not being disposed of properly, even when there is an opportunity to do that. Um, so I wanted to kind of convey that, and I started thinking about Dutch still life. And in the 1600s in the Netherlands, it was um, they had a new class of people, really. Prior to that, it was mostly just the kings and the peasants, right? But now they had a working class, a middle class of people. They had the merchants, and they had all this new money, and they wanted to display uh, in their homes, kind of brag about their wealth, right? So they would commission these paintings of, you know, riches of wine and oysters and all these things. And so these these still lives that I'm doing are kind of reflective stylistically of that to show the sort of brag that we do with our electronics, right? I have the newest iPhone. Yeah. I have, you know, the newest the latest flat screen TV. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but but I don't photograph them in their pristine condition. I. I either find them broken, I mean, I, I'm, I've solicited broken electronics from mm. people, so it's not like I'm smashing nudes, yeah. but I do, then I break them a little bit more to make mm. them visually more interesting. That's very interesting, because I remember when I saw that work, what came to my mind was like me questioning and being aware of my mortality, mm. because I remember there was like fresh flowers, dead flowers, but the keyboard, like the motherboard of the, of the computer was there. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like when, when we're gone, this is it, like this is, the world still goes on. This is all there is. Stop, like, taking everything, you know, stressing about small things. Like, this is really it. Like, this is what life is about. Yeah. So it's a beautiful yeah. piece. That's very I interesting. I think um, the, the visualization of this also came from photographing dead flowers. That was really oh, wow. how I started. Because I think they're really beautiful mm. in their own way, right? And it's all part of life. It's the process of... Um, and I've suffered some losses recently of friends and my mom and... You know, it, it makes you realize that this is all, it's just, it's nature. It just happens, Absolutely. right? You know, some, yeah. unfortunately, it happens sometimes way too quickly and mm. way too soon. But like you said, we're all going to go, right? It's it's something we have to face. Yeah. And what are we going to learn from that? What are we going to take away well, from it's, that, too? It's like, it's so interesting you say that because before I saw that work, my father previously passed. So that's what made oh, me, I'm like, sorry. connect. With, thank you. Yeah. That's what made me connect with that so much and, like, stop take a breath, you know, analyze, take the work in. And I found it really interesting that you also mentioned that after getting the studio where we both have a studio, Art 150, um, you're able to not like create setups and like leave it overnight or continue with the idea. Would you mind telling us about that? Like, are you able, like when you have a setup, because now it's in the studio, are you able to like further and extend the idea you're working on or do you like start fresh again? Um, yeah, I mean, so, the way I work is I set I set up a still life, which is really fun to me. It's a creative process mm -hmm. in itself, right? And then I start photographing it, and then I look at it, and I see what's wrong, what's missing, what's, yeah. you know. So that can go over um, usually one day in the studio, and then the next day I'll come back and I'll look at what I did because then I have fresher eyes to see, okay, this looked good, yeah. but this is wrong and so forth and so on. To be honest, the thing I worry most about is I have rotting vegetables and, and fruits <laughs> in my studio. Oh, that's that, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like petrified I'm going to start a fruit fly extravaganza. But I haven't yet. Yeah, I, haven't. I hope so. I have it's had no good. complaints from my neighbors about No spell. worries. But I find that um, because now in my work, I'm kind of like not taking it too seriously and letting things just fall where they may. 
So where before it's like analyze and stress about something, then if it didn't work out, just like either throw it out, break it and get mad. But now I'm like, like letting, like I'm finding myself leaving and coming back and finding the work and having like a different perspective, like a fresh breath of air. Do you still, like, do you do that? Like, do you keep, like, let's say, like, you set up, like, a still life, then how long is it until you, that, like, that still life is fully photographed? Or do you, like, keep, like, a week or two with, like, different setups to see what works usually best? Usually not that long, no. Not usually that long. I'm doing one or two a day. Oh, wow. But I will say, I mean, in relation to what you're explaining, I have that, that feeling about series that I work on. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel like, I'm done with this series, but then I always have this conflict with myself. Am I just bored? Mm -hmm. Am I sick of doing this? Yeah. Am I not pushing it far enough? Am I just being lazy? Yeah. Right? Um, and and then when I finish a series, there's this kind of morning, right, where you don't know what you're going to do next. And I call this shooting myself out of shooting, shooting myself out of it. Like, you mm. know, just you got to keep shooting. Yeah. And um, a lot of times I'll think, oh, I should go back to that other one. I wasn't done with that. Yeah. But oh, wow. once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone, yeah. Yeah. And then, so when you're, like, when you start something, um, and let's say you're photo, do you photograph as you set up, or do you, like, do a full setup, and then you begin photographing, or do you keep changing things around, and then, like, the final product will look something completely different from the first shot? Well, it's interesting, because the camera sees differently than we do, right? And I have spent my entire adult life trying to see as the camera does, mm -hmm. which is a big challenge. Yeah. So I set up the still life and, you know, yeah, I move things around when I look at it with my eye, but it's not until I see it on the image that I realize something's wrong a lot of times. And then I'll play around with it, you know, and it's, it's, um, sort of like, as soon as you fix one problem, then you see another one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So it goes on like that. I mean, I'm sure that's true with your word too. Yeah. Like you, you go, oh, this doesn't work, and you yeah. fix it, and then and you're then like, oh, that another, doesn't work yeah. either. Yeah, and it creates like this avalanche of yeah. different yeah. different mediums to work with. And I have a question. Um, previously, you mentioned you were going to college for psychology. Mm -hmm. Do you think that background has like shaped your your work in a way? Um, I think it's a different part of myself. I mm -hmm. think it's always been there. Um, I I don't. That's a very good question. I do know that there's a number of people who go from psychology to art. Um, I think it's a different part of our psyche that we're yeah. talking about, right? We're trying to reach people in a yeah. certain way. Um, but I, I don't know that, I mean, as I said, my work is mostly climate change focused now, which I don't think it's a human issue, but mm -hmm. it's not a psyche issue necessarily. Yeah. Although I do think, you know, for instance, with the e-waste, we have to change the way we think about things, Absolutely. right? We have to change our reliance on these things. We have to change our reliance on fossil fuel. We have to change our reliance on all these things that are destroying the planet. Yeah, that's really insane because that's funny you say that because a lot of my friends, when you know they'll buy a new iPhone or whatever, they'll literally throw their old iPhone in the trash and you're not supposed to do that. You have to, you know, yeah. be able how to yeah. dispose electronic waste correctly. But I always found beauty in like keeping old technology and mm -hmm. then going back to it and playing with it. Yeah. Like an old flip phone or yeah. it's just like I find it so like I don't know, therapeutic in a way. Because it takes me back to the memories, the memories how I was. And I yeah. it's crazy that a lot of people don't appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. I have a little white chocolate phone that I have. Oh yeah, really? Yes. Oh the LG. Yes, I remember that. Yes, that slides yes, up, right? Slides up. I had I had the brown one. I remember. Yeah, it yeah. was like probably like my third phone as a teenager. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I think um, 
people, we, we all look for convenience. Our lives are busy. Yeah. We don't have time to take it to the proper recycling yeah. place. Staples, by the way, let me do a plug here. Staples will take your broken electronics. They'll recycle them properly. Oh, so I you didn't can know just that. drop them in a Staples, yeah. But so when I started doing this series, I put a call out on Facebook to the people that were living in my town saying, you know, if you have any broken electronics that you're mm -hmm. looking to get rid of, I'd love to take them. People were thrilled. Really? Wow. And you'd be amazed at how much stuff people have been holding on to. Wow. So the whole Peloton thing. Yeah. So many screens. <laughs> no way. Yeah. All these broken Peloton screens that people like, they didn't have the heart to just throw it in the trash. Yeah. But they didn't want to be bothered to yeah. take it to a proper recycling place. So. Oh, wow, that's so interesting. Like, what, what kind of tack do you get, like, your hands on? Was it from, like, all the way, like, from the 70s or earlier to um, now? Or? Not super, super old, no. no. No? Just, like, 90s to present? Yeah, more like early 2000s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you get, like, any iPods or any, like, cool throwbacks? No. No? I didn't. Oh, wow. I didn't. That's really... I miss my iPod. I love... I still have my iPod. Do you? I love it because, like... Can you still use it? Yeah. But you, I, like, you had to buy that specific charger. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little difficult, Which like, to find. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what I find so interesting, like, as I was mentioning earlier, like, going back to my old tech, like, I found, I don't know if you know, do you know what the Sidekick LG LX is? Yes, that's oh, yeah. like, I yeah. just found that the other day. I was in my parent, my mom's house, um, and I was going through, like, some old of my old stuff, and it had, like, text messages from, like, I think 10th, 9th oh, grade. And I'm gosh. like, oh, my gosh, that was so dumb. And, like, the things I was, like, worried about. Yeah, yeah. But it's, like, such a, like, a time travel. And I think Absolutely. there's, like, a beauty in that to, like, yeah. go back, you know. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And I love that you use that in your work and kind of bring awareness to it, the, the dangers of human life on this planet and how we really are, you know, the problem species here. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, um, I read a really great, great quote by Wendell somebody. It was about the agriculture in this country. And it was basically saying, we came and didn't see what was here, but saw what we could take. Oh, wow. Kind of thing, you know? And I'm totally paraphrasing. Yeah. That's not a direct quote at all. But that idea of like, you know, what what can this planet do for us? Yeah. What can we get out of this planet? What? How can we make our lives more exciting, more interesting, more whatever, quicker, faster, yeah. right? And, um, you know, so, the, the On the Hard series started because, um, like I said, I was in the boatyard looking at the shrimp wrapping, thinking of this is really interesting, mm -hmm. but visually it turns out it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but in the process of doing that, uh, we also got stuck on the, on the boat down by Sandy Hook in a terrible storm. Oh it just God. came up on us suddenly, didn't know it was coming, um, and it, we couldn't see beyond the bow of the boat. We wow. didn't see the bow of the boat at one point. There was lightning. The, all the you know depth meters and so forth were going wonk and I just realized like why do we ever think that we know what's going on yeah why do we ever think we're in control we're in control yeah exactly yeah. I mean you know we talked about the flooding earlier yeah. that you know we, we just think oh well, we can just keep building yeah and oh we're fine yeah, you know exactly. mother nature is not exactly you know like, well, I'll just build another beach house where that one got wiped exactly right? yeah, yeah it's fixable it's you know yeah. you so after that storm then I went back to the boatyards and I saw these like you know weathered landscapes that I was oh, like yeah. wow here's an indication of nature like doing what it's going to do regardless of what our plans are right? yeah no it's really scary like when you travel to the same place every year or every two years and you see like the environment changing and you're like my gosh like this is not a good sign like you know florida or 
like Mexico and Jalisco, mm. it's like you see the shore change and getting further and like certain things eroding and you're like, um, like there's houses here, there's people living here, but this is temporary. We're not going to be here forever. Yeah. Um, so especially with a lot of my work tends to look sort of painterly, right? Um, certainly on the hard series and uh, the still lives probably a little bit. There's certainly a painterly yeah. difference. And so people will say to me, well, why don't you just paint? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's kind of not the point. Yeah. The point is that I'm seeing something and I'm not doing anything to it. I'm just taking a picture of it and it looks like a painting. Yeah. And that stuff, like the probably one of the best compliments I ever got was, I was walking down the street the other day and I saw one of your pictures. And they didn't mean like my picture was hanging in a gallery. Uh -huh. They meant they literally with their own eye saw one of my pictures. And oh, I wow. thought that's the ultimate compliment, right? That's because amazing. I always want people to sort of, I don't really care if people see the way that I see, but I want them to see things differently. Exactly. Because I think in doing that, we're changing the way that we think about things as well, right? We're changing our mindset by changing our vision. Yeah. I saw something you posted on Instagram on your account. And it was like the Journal Square building, like the two towers and the other mm -hmm. one that's built. But it was like such a, like a different perspective, kind of like tilted. And I said, oh my God, I never, you're so used to like seeing symmetrical, like, you know, symmetry and everything's perfect. So this tilt is like really, really cool and interesting. Yeah, so that's like what. It's, it's slowing down and looking really. Is exactly. What, what I try to, I want people to do when they look at my work. I want them to think about their own surroundings and what they're looking at in their daily lives. That's amazing. And, and again, I do think that can change your mindset about so many things, right? Yeah, definitely. Perspective is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything in life. All right, Susan, do you mind telling us your Instagram and your website, please? Yes, it is uh, SusanEvansGrove.com and at SusanEvansGrove. Oh, very catchy. Perfect. And then, you can find me now because you can say my name. Absolutely. Yeah, I it has such a, like, a twist and a catch to it. Like, this is perfect for, like... Songwriters, you know, Susan Evans Grove. It's three incredibly boring names grouped together. Yeah, not really. It has a twist. Like, I feel like, had you, like, somehow met Mick Jagger or, like, one of those rock stars, we probably could have had, like, Susan Evans Groove or, like, Groovy, you know what I mean? Groovy Grove. I don't know. It always starts, it sounds, like, simple, but it's pretty cool. It becomes, like, you know? Um, but, yeah, but also I wanted to ask you, do you do commission work? Like, for example, if somebody wants certain, like, family heirlooms or something like that? Are you like, do you do like, you do setups for them or sure. something yeah. like that? Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. And just to double check, that's as Susan's Grove. No, sorry. See, I messed up as Susan Evans Grove Instagram and then www.susanevansgrove.com for your website. Correct. Perfect, guys. So it was a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much Always for coming on my podcast. To my fellow artist, neighbor at R150 and fellow artist in life. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I really appreciate you coming here today. Thank you, Tark. Thank you. Until we meet again.